Welcome to Therapists Who Brunch. I'm Dr. Carey, and I have my PhD in psychology. And I'm Erica, and I'm a clinical social worker. We're here to talk all things therapy and beyond. From candid conversations with other mental health professionals to personal anecdotes, nothing is off limits. So grab a mimosa or coffee, and let's dig in. Welcome to Therapist Who Brunch. It is Dr. Carrie. Hi guys, it's Erica. We are here for another episode on attachment styles and what you can do to overcome them. So before we start, as always, we are not your therapist. Um, this is not a replacement or a substitute for mental health therapy. But we were talking all about the attachment styles last time and different types of attachment styles. For sure. And just before we kind of delve into this episode, we are giggly today, guys. <laughs> I don't know what's going yeah. on you're fine <laughs> but just before we delve into this episode if you haven't watched part one pause this episode and go back to part one it'll just give you the framework for more of what we're talking about in this episode yes because you have to know your attachment style before you can fix it definitely that's a good line well I don't want to say so, fix it because that makes it sound like attachment styles can be bad things that's true it's more just like know them so you know you're aware it's more of like bringing your awareness to it yeah, exactly. Like attachment is not a bad thing. It's just your awareness of what you've got going on. So. For sure. But just a quick reminder, we're using secure, avoidant, anxious, and then like fearful avoidance, the fourth one, just so you guys have some sort of understanding of what we're talking about. Yes. And me and Erica are both a combination of avoidant, anxious attachment styles in case you were wondering. Yeah, <laughs> that's just what it is. We're going to go into that later in this episode a little bit more with our fun game. But until then, I guess we should kind of talk a little bit about, like we said, about how attachment styles develop and then just more on how to manage it. We talked a little bit about how they develop, but I guess we can go into it a little bit more. Yeah, I guess we can talk more about that. And I mean, I feel like a lot of it develops with your early relationships. And I think most of it is like, it talks about how parenting has such a huge piece on attachment. And I do feel like that is a big piece, but I don't think it is the whole reason your attachment style develops. What do you think about that? No, I would agree. I I think it's definitely with our early relationships. I I think that our parents or our grandparents or our siblings or whoever our first like core people are when we were born until probably our like, I don't know, until we're like school age, maybe like three or four is the are the people that influence our attachment styles the most but I do think that it can kind of change a little bit as we go into different relationships and again like I know that the research is still kind of out there on that but I do feel like it can change Mm -hmm. yeah and we did talk last time about how there are some changes and Um, Some of it does depend on like what types of relationships you do have and you can make your attachment become more secure, which is supposed to be like the most healthy attachment to have. Um, You know, I don't want to say other attachment styles are bad because obviously I have one of those (laughs) attachment styles, but it definitely can be changed throughout, you know, different life experiences. 
Yeah, I think that like there's a difference between like healthy and unhealthy. I think it's more just like we said before about our awareness and how it's impacting our relationships. I think people with secure attachment tend to be able to ebb and flow between relationships a little bit better and maybe their coping skills are a little bit better because I think their confidence is higher. Have you ever seen, this is actually a question, have you ever seen like a study that was done between attachment styles and confidence? I have not. Um, I wonder if it is there. That's a good point. Yeah. I wonder, I would, if I had to like make like a, a guess or have a hypothesis, if you will, I think I would say that like somebody with secure attachment is probably a little bit more confident in themselves, right? I would think that's possible. Oh, there is research apparently on self-esteem, which I feel like is a big piece of it. And apparently if you have anxious avoidant attachment, you have lower self-esteem than secure attachment styles. I mean, unfortunately, that's kind of correct for me, but I'm working on it, guys. See, no, but that's a good point, honestly, to show that you can work on it. Mm -hmm. I work on my self-esteem daily and I try to be innately more confident and do a lot of things that do work. Like I meditate or I'll write or I'll say affirmations and things like that. So I think it's a way to kind of being aware of your attachment style and, you know, helping yourself through it, I guess. <laughs> yes. And becoming a, a self-care and self-esteem queen like Erica. Oh, thank you. So <laughs> sweet. Um, but yeah, I think that's a really good point. We'll have to look into those studies because I am curious kind of what that looks like. Yeah, I think so. I would love to talk more about self-esteem at another time too. So for sure. I guess like, so say we're like fully developed in our attachment styles. Cause we had talked about how like in, in the last episode, we had talked about how when we go into our teens and early twenties, we tend to be at like the peak level of anxious at that point. Mm-hmm. And then it starts to decrease. Do you think that's the time where we kind of like have learned to utilize our attachment styles the best way we can? Or do you think that it just becomes like so a part of us? I don't know. I feel like it's so hard to like develop awareness of your attachment style in general that, I mean, for some people they might, I think that some people, they also at that time, they're probably insecure relationships. Some people are not. And then that can definitely probably influence how their attachment style is. So, I mean, a lot of like what I have seen and experienced myself is that the relationships you are in are what really impacts how your attachment style develops. I actually agree. And you just like triggered a thought in my head about how a lot of people in their, you know, late teens, early twenties are experiencing more romantic relationships than they have prior, which, you know, if you're not, there's literally nothing wrong with you. Just a caveat everyone just has different times with that. But overall, I would say that people tend to develop more romantic relationships. So I wonder if that's why you tend to become more aware of your attachment style is through those romantic relationships. It's like, oh, I'm not okay with certain things. Is it because of something that happened in my childhood? This is a little too psychodynamic for me, but you know. (laughs) I mean, it could be. I don't know. I think it's like, Therapy is also very helpful for figuring out your attachment style and what to do when you do have certain attachment styles. Um, Like, I don't think I really figured out what attachment style I had and how my attachment style developed until I started with one therapist last year. So I really think that that can have a huge piece of how your attachment style changes. 
Yeah, for sure. And I appreciate you like bringing up your old therapy because myself too, I, you know, I do therapy right now with my therapist and I literally adore her, but you know, I've been in therapy, I think for three years now. And this, that was my first time really venturing into my own therapy. I would say the same thing that I knew I had anxiety. I knew that there was, I had avoidance in my life, (laughs) certain things I would definitely avoid, but I never really thought of it as labeling myself and my attachment style. Mm-hmm. And I, I also think like, it's okay not to like label it. It's not the end all be all of whatever your attachment style is. But I think it's nice to just be aware. Yep. Yeah, it's definitely nice to be aware. I think it's super important. So um, what do you do to try and manage your attachment style? Do you have any ideas on things uh, you've tried? I mean, yeah, I think like therapy, obviously what we talked about, going to therapy helped me to see the relationships where maybe I have a more secure attachment versus my normal. Mm -hmm. And I also think it's looking at those relationships and figuring out why, like have those people given me the support I need, have those people wavered with me. I think what I have a hard time with is that certain relationships I've been in in my life, both platonic and just, you know, romantic and friendship, all of that. I have always had to like second guess if, you know, they wanted to be my friend or if they wanted to be with me or if, you know, I was good enough and all of those things. And I think that that made me more anxious, right? That brought me into that anxious side of my attachment because I was worrying all the time. Totally. So I think to answer your question, like how to manage it for me, it's really giving myself time to process. And it's really surrounding myself with people that I can feel like myself with regardless. Yeah. Yeah, knowing like the people who you feel okay with, I think is so important for attachment. So can we talk about the attached book, which I know I mentioned last time, but I was telling Erica how great it is. And like, I feel like it just made me so aware of like, why I am the way I am in certain relationships. And I think it's just gives a lot of helpful advice. Yes, I wanted to pick your brain about it. I guess like, I guess, could you like highlight it for a second or highlight the key points that you took away from it? Yeah, definitely. So uh, one big piece that I think was helpful is it talks about how with each attachment style, you, your attachment style will be activated in certain types of relationships when there is like a mismatch between what one attachment style is and what the other person's is. So like then that's where you think of like the typical anxious avoidant. So for someone with an anxious attachment style who is in a relationship with an avoidant person, your anxious attachment style gets really activated. And so you will have a lot of stress And your attachment style will come out much more. And so a big piece of it is like noticing the types of people who activate your attachment style. I am in love with that point Mm -hmm. so much because I think that just speaks to what we've been saying this whole time about how it does, the people we surround ourselves does bring it out. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just love that. I have to read that book. We'll have to put it in the show notes about like what books that people can look it up. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask you, I guess for like you personally, did that book help you define kind of what your attachment style was? Or did it just help you kind of figure out ways to manage it or both? So it did both. So I think like having that awareness of 
knowing when my attachment style is being activated and like, what are some behaviors I will do that show me that my attachment style is being activated? Um, so for example, for like people who have anxious attachment styles in relationships, if they feel like they are not getting the attention that they need from someone, they might engage in what are called protest behaviors where you might like try and get the attention you need without directly asking for it. So do you think that's like, I'm curious, think that's like when people bring out like the passive aggressive behaviors where it's like, you know, you like don't directly ask for what you need, but you make it a point to kind of be upset about it. Yes. Yeah. Like you can like show that you're upset about something like from someone not calling you or someone not answering you as quickly as you wanted just by being passive aggressive, avoiding them doing something like to make them mad. There's so many protest behaviors you might engage in. So like, I feel like a big piece aside from knowing that is like clear communication. Oh my gosh. I literally am just like mind blown right now. That's why I'm being a little bit more quiet. Cause I'm just really processing everything you just said. It makes so much sense. Yeah. But yeah, clear communication, honestly, effective communication is like almost like the cure for so many things. Yet it's so difficult. It is. Yeah. And like the book talks about how a lot of the issues come out because an anxious person will maybe over communicate their needs um, if it's for the wrong person. And so if an anxious person is with a secure person or an anxious child with a secure child, the anxious child may ask for a lot of reassurance and seek a lot from the a secure person. A secure person won't be bothered by that, but someone who is avoidant will be very bothered by that. And so then it reinforces itself. That's such an amazing way to put it. While you were talking, what I started to think of and something I learned recently, it's like you, when you're anxious, you want to share everything because you want to get it off your chest. Like you want to say like, I am having a problem with this. And I think sometimes we don't need to tell another person what's going on. Sometimes it's an internal battle. And I think that I used to feel like I had to talk everything through. And yeah, there's a lot of things you do need to talk through and a lot of things you should share. But sometimes it's like, would this person benefit from hearing this? Is this really a problem in the relationship? Is this a problem with just me? You know, do what do I need? I think it's so important to ask yourself those questions and almost like effectively communicate with yourself as odd as it sounds. Yeah, no, totally. Like connecting with yourself. And like, if you notice you're feeling anxious, it's like, okay, what am I feeling anxious about? And it's like, maybe someone hasn't called you and you're expecting them to call you. You can communicate that in a very clear way without like sounding like uh, super anxious and super worried. But like a lot of the times what people will do is they will just sit on it and they will let it sit there and then they'll become even more anxious and never address the point. Yeah. One of the best pieces of advice I actually got from my own therapist and it's so simple when it comes to dealing with any type of anxiety and obviously take this for what it's worth is just doing it as soon as possible. If there's something that's causing you just a lot of worry and stress, like say you want to call somebody, but you're afraid to call or whatever reason, it's just like, do it, like literally count to three and just do it. Because then you like can let go of it and it comes out Then you feel like, oh, it wasn't so bad. Obviously, there's a lot of caveats to that. But I just think for myself, it's been so helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just doing it. And like, I find that like, I can sometimes get worked up on like, you know, like, what if I call someone 
what will happen. But if you just do something, sometimes your anxiety about it is really the only thing that to actually worry about. Totally, totally. Again, like we could talk for days just on anxiety in general, but as it relates to, you know, attached and silent, I think that there's a lot of skills that you can learn to kind of cope with like the attachment style you have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, expressing your needs is a big piece and like learning how to do that in an, in an effective way. I felt like I used to think that like everything I bring up in a friendship, family relationship has to be like a big deal if I bring it up, but it's like, you can just bring yes. things up casually. It doesn't have to be a huge conversation. Totally. And it can also be like an afterthought too. It can be like, you know, the other day I was feeling anxious because of this, something you did, but I was able to work it out, but I'm just letting you know that this is what happened. Mm-hmm. Just so you guys are aware and having that communication. I love that like advice too. just, you know, not everything has to be a fight. Not everything has to be like this big ordeal. We don't need to make a decision at the end of every conflict because conflict is a way of, is part of our lives, but we can still communicate. Yeah. And like notice how someone responds when you express your needs and your boundaries. If they say something dismissive and they're like, I don't understand why you're being so clingy or why you're bringing that up. Maybe they're an avoidant attachment style. And if that activates how you're feeling, they just might not be the best fit for you to have in a relationship. It doesn't mean like they're a bad person necessarily. Um, I mean, dismissing your needs is a bad thing, but it also means that they're probably just not cut out to be the type of relationship you want to be in. Yeah, I think that's a good point because if someone's dismissing your needs, it might not be that they're a bad person. They might just not know how to fulfill those needs or they might have never been taught on how to how to be with somebody who has that many feelings or has that many requests or whatever the case is. And sometimes your partner and you can grow together And sometimes it's just not, it's just not it. Like, it's just not what it's meant to be. And I kind of always say, like, we can't make anybody change, like, for us, whether you're a parent listening to this because you have a child who's difficult or you're in a couple relationship, whatever. We can only change ourselves and change things. We can't really change our partner. We can support them in the change, but we can't do the work for them. Well said. Very well said, Erica. Do you have any other advice for listeners on their attachment style and how to overcome it? I mean, I think the highlights were like clear needs. I mean, express your needs clearly, good communication skills and know what your attachment style is. Any other words of wisdom? Yeah, I think I mean, you also said effective communication. I think it's just kind of being aware, like you said, about like how it could influence things in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I mean, I think like we're using the term overcome because it just makes sense to have to talk about it, but really it's just about realizing that we have all these parts of us that aren't necessarily going to go away, but how do we use them in the best light and how do we, how do we just live the, our best lives this way? You know, live your best life. That terminology. <laughs> <laughs> Literally like I'm going to be anxious avoidant and probably it's not going to go away. But I can combat that. I don't have to avoid certain things. Like I, you know, I I think it's just one of those things. I hope this makes sense to you guys. We really try to put it in a way that just feels relatable. My first thought was YOLO, you only live once. So love your (laughs) attachment style. And that is so cheesy. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I haven't said YOLO in so long. Yeah, I mean. Show us. (laughs) (laughs) 
Literally. Um, but yeah, I heard you start saying that we should play our game, right? At one yes. point. And we... <laughs> I'm so excited about this game because we're trying to do different types of games each time we have a podcast. And today we're going to do like, how would you respond? Like what attachment style? Oh, we said before that we're both anxious and avoidant. That was our primary um, attachment styles. So we're going to try to say which one we think we would kind of head more towards in certain situations. Yeah. I also added another one to the end of this. Oh my God. We didn't go back okay. and forth. Yeah. I'll go first. So how would you respond if you don't like your therapist? Oh my gosh. The one she pulled that one out on me. Um, honestly, if I didn't like my therapist, I'd probably be avoidant, but not in the way to like not solve the problem. I'd probably ghost her. Truly. That's my true answer. I probably, and actually Carrie knows this because side note, I had a therapist when I was like 19. God, I hope she's not listening, but I don't know why she would be. And I went to her once and I just didn't vibe with her and I just never went back. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's my honest exactly answer. Why I, why I chose that scenario. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was such a good one. <laughs> okay. Let me get myself together. <laughs> um, Actually, we just talked about ghosting. What would you do if you got ghosted? I would respond anxiously internally. I would feel very mm -hmm. anxious about what happened, but I would avoid it and never contact them again. <laughs> I would probably do exactly the same. I'd go through that questions and have like, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? What's wrong with me? That kind of thing. And then I'd be like, all right, well, whatever. Oh yes. Okay. Go ahead. Go. What if you find out that your friend is cheating on her boyfriend? Oh, gosh. So I actually would get anxious in this situation because it may change now. But when I was younger and stuff like this had happened before, I'd be very anxious because I never wanted to be in the position where somebody could get hurt. And I would always grapple with like, do I support my friend who did something wrong in my eyes? Or do I like, do I want to tell the, the guy or the girl that they were cheated on? It was hard. I, I think I like not my place. And as much as I would want to intervene, it's probably best that I don't. But yeah, I would definitely be anxious on this one. Yeah, I think I would be avoidant. Would you? Yeah. Would I you just like pretend you didn't know? Oh, yeah, just yeah, I don't think it would affect me that much, to be honest. Yeah, no, it's a really good point. I think it's probably better to be avoided in this scenario, honestly. <laughs> okay, um, which one should I do? What if you were invited to a family party of somebody that you like, didn't really want to go to? I think this is a time where I would be secure and I would okay. actually tell my family why I don't want to go and that I don't want to go because I would only not go for what is in my personal mind a very valid experience or reason yeah I would agree but mm -hmm. I will say when I was little I would avoid but then I would be so anxious I would avoid yeah. first and then I'd be anxious I would not go cry my eyes out say I'm not going and then I would like worry like no yeah. other so yeah, but now definitely secure. Now I'm like, I either want to go or I don't want to go. And it is what it is. <laughs> what about if a friend texts you and says they want to hang out, but you don't want to hang out then? Oh, I'm, I'm secure now. And it like two years ago would have been like, what do I do? What do I do? I can't miss it. Like whatever. When I had like FOMO, fear of missing out. But now I'm like, nope, don't want to go. I have no problem with it. 
but I do think it's hard. And I do think it was harder to develop those boundaries with certain friends than others. So Mm -hmm. what about you? Would your answer change for that? I'm either anxious and or avoidant in this one. I don't know. Cause sometimes I will just not respond. Mm, okay. <laughs> it's probably better to do that, honestly. But then other times I'll get super anxious about like, what will they like think? Like, I don't know. So. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. What about if you were going on a blind date? <laughs> I would be avoidant. What would you be? <laughs> um, if I had to go on the date anxious, if I could like literally not go, probably avoid it. Like I would probably just try not to go, honestly. Um, none of my friends would set me up on a blind date because they know I would like probably freak out. So Yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> like I would go be avoidant, like basically probably not really give someone the time of day. You'd make sure they absolutely did not like you. <laughs> that or I would, yeah. I would not put that much effort into it so that there were not many, not as much closeness. Yeah. I think I nowadays I'd try to make myself go, but I don't know how that would turn out. <laughs> yes. This just shows me more and more that we like need to do the speed dating thing. Seriously. We need to, like, check ourselves during it. Not even like the men, but yes. ourselves. <laughs> All right. Last one. What if your partner does not answer their phone? Oh, I love this one. Um, so I would be avoidant because I would go into like the screw you mode. I'd be like, well, whatever, you're not going to answer. Fine. Like I won't answer either. So I would, which is not like me normally, but that's how I would get for sure with that one. And then if it like, you really didn't call me back, then I would be like, start getting anxious. What about you? I would absolutely be anxious. Um, would you call a million times? Um, no, I wouldn't call them a million times, but I would start engaging in the anxious protest behaviors to make it clear to them at some point that I was upset. I would say that I, at the end of this, I would probably share my needs. I don't know if it would come across as anxious or secure at that point, but in the beginning, I would definitely be like, well, screw you. (laughs) Look at you being so healthy, sharing your needs. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know, guys. I'm really, I've been working on this for years. So, this is actually my favorite game, by the way. I love this game. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, we all have our stuff. But yeah. I'm actually really curious, like, what our listeners like think after hearing this about their attachment styles. So, you guys should DM us on Instagram at Therapist Who Brunch and let us know how you would handle some of these situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think that's it for our episode. Thank y'all for listening. Remember to like, subscribe, and write us a review so um tell us what you liked about the episode what you want to see more of and we have some other cool episodes planned so we can't wait to drop those soon yeah all right guys we'll see you next week